Hello everyone, Sam here. Before we get going today, we've got a great little history podcast to shout about for when you're looking for something else to listen to. After you've finished this episode, obviously. It's called Halfwit History, and it's a topical comedy history podcast. Every week, the host Jonathan and Kylie talk about the upcoming week, but in the past. So, next week, 500 years ago sort of thing. It's a cracking little podcast, so here's a wee trailer before we get stuck into the next episode of That Was Genius. Hi, and welcome to Halfwit History. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Kylie. And this is a podcast where we talk about the upcoming week, but a long time ago. And sometimes not so long ago. So if you enjoy history and comedy, then do we have the show for you. We cover all sorts of topics from pop culture to ancient history, with some fiction thrown in just for fun. Like episode 14, The Nefarious Nodule, where we play a choose-your-own-adventure game. Or episode 33, Water, Earth, Fire, Molasses, where I cover the Great Molasses Flood of 1919 in Boston. Or if you're into conspiracy theories, check out episode 11, Eldritch Witches, where I hunt down a teleporting ship. Or if you're feeling nostalgic, check out episode 15, You Meddling Nords, where I take a spin in the mystery machine with Scooby-Doo and the gang. Are you into science? Because I dive into the immortal genes of Henrietta Lacks in episode 18, Hella Big Dynamite. And for anyone who loves musicals as much as I, check out episode 22, Defying Ancestry, where I spend one short day talking about my favorite musical, Wicked. Halfway History is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcatcher. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Halfwit History, or visit our website at halfwit-history.com. And as always, I've been your Halfwit. And I'm your historian. And we hope you'll give us a listen. Bye! And welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom, who's Hello. got that Friday feeling, even though it's Thursday, but it is the bank holiday, and Sam, who still has... Not for you, no listeners. Not for you, no. It's been, it's been <laughs> and gone. I hope you're suitably fat. Stuffed full of Easter eggs. And absolutely pickled. Uh, not that any of you will have waited until Easter for this during lockdown. You'll have been, <laughs> you'll have been at that since March. <laughs> Uh, so yes, it's the little history podcast in which Tom and Sam, that is me, discuss history stories on a theme each week. We decide the theme the week in advance, but everything else that happens is a surprise. And Tom set this week's theme because he had something lined up already. The lazy bastard. I did. And what is it, Tom? <laughs> it's Travellers Week. Travellers Week. Not to be confused with Journeys Week. <laughs> yeah, a similar, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit similar. But that's a long time ago. Yeah, it was a very long time ago. It- we said at the end of that episode we should do this again. We and uh, yes, and here we are. I think you should count your lucky stars. I didn't do another Australian shipwreck. Actually, Did you not? Because no, I, I have not I'm got an Australian I'm slightly shipwreck. Disappointed. <laughs> Sorry. No, you won't be. You won't be. It's 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 scatological. You'll love it. Oh, perfect. Do you like a bit of scatology? Uh, I'm doing Germans, so. It goes together like a snap, <laughs> like a horse and carriage. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There we go. The Germans are notoriously scatological, aren't they? They are indeed. They love it. The dirty bastards. <laughs> oh, that was a that was a large creak. That sounded like a ship in a storm. There was it. Yeah, I'll do it again. I don't know what what was that. That was that was me just turning my microphone around slightly. Oh, lovely. Uh, well, as long as you do that now, rather than when you're talking like you normally do, that's perfect. <laughs> it was a bit uncomfortable the way I had it launched up my arse, so I just needed to adjust it slightly. Oh, it's so much more echoey now, though. 
It's gonna be a nightmare in post production. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to put the rector. I'm gonna Hold have on. to put the rectifier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right <to> back <laughs> on it. Effect apply. Oh, I'll push it back down into the colon. <laughs> now that audio files is what you call a low pass filter. Right, I th- <laughs> I'm bored of the flipping things tradition. I think you've you've waited all week for this. I think you should go first. Oh right. Oh god, you're jumping me straight. I, well, I forgot. This is ridiculously quick, isn't it? We're only three minutes into the podcast. Have you found your research, Tom? Easy. You found it a week oh. in advance. There we go. Crack on. <laughs> Have you found your research, Sam? You didn't find it as easy, did you? I just, I feel like I need a bit of foreplay. I mean, <laughs> you need to be warmed up before we get going. Okay. Yeah, I need to be titillated. I, I, I have to admit, I struggled a little bit, but then I went down a click hole from my initial idea, which was patchy, of doing... Who's patchy? <laughs> that sounds like a, I don't know, some sort of house artist. One of the Muppets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of the dwarves. The one who, if he goes too far away from the house, starts to buffer. It's <laughs> the Snow White's dwarf with only two bars. <laughs> so I started doing diplomatic faux pas, so people who went on diplomatic missions and, and, and cocked up. And I'm still going to do a couple of those as honourable mentions because there's some quite funny ones. And then from there, I went down a click hole. Prince Philip's brings to mind. Actually, I haven't done Prince Philip. I really should have done, but <laughs> if only. I mean, Prince Philip himself is rather historic, isn't he? He's an archaeological yes. dig all on his own. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't, but I have got some British royalty. Excellent. Okay. Um, but then I went from there down the, down a click hole to the topic that I am going to talk about, which is not as silly this week, but it's really interesting. There's a bit of silliness, but it's mostly just okay, really well, interesting. That's good. It's a bit of a reversal from the last couple of weeks because I'm doing the silly sauce and you're doing something a bit more sensible. I am. Just a thought. Go on. We've had a few listener comments, haven't we? We have had a couple of listener comments. Do you want to do them now? Oh, go on then. Why not? Why not? Let's live a little. Um, what did we? We had Turtley. That was on Podbean, I think. Mm. And she said that we're fantastic. Thank you very much. It also looked a little bit like he slash she fell on their keyboard when writing the word need. There are a lot of these in it. So we do hope you're okay, Turtley. Yes. Um, wink, twi- wink twice for no. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a Facebook shout-out as well, didn't we? Someone commented. Oh, yeah. In. We got shout-out in a list of uh, under-the-radar comedy podcasts on the... Did you know who that chap was? No. Oh, I, I, I thought it might have been one of your mates. So I think it was a Gareth Jones, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just name. a... Gareth Jones. Gareth! Sorry, you've been nice to us. I shouldn't... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Did do a shit Welsh accent, just in case Actually, I was, doing, I was doing an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> honest, honest, Gov. Honest. <laughs> it was an Indian accent, Gov. And then we had an Apple review, didn't we? We had yes. Tiffany94. Thank you, Tiffany94. Very kind, very kind. And actually, literally, as we were talking, as we've been talking, this is live, this is coming in now, to wow, the newsroom. This is interactive, isn't it, people? Uh, Matthew Stone has emailed us. That was geniuscast at gmail.com. Who said, you're shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, he has emailed in a death threat. <laughs> yes. uh, thank you. <laughs> he has said, I am a Nigerian prince contacting you from the bank. <laughs> <laughs> No, he says, hey, Tom and Sam, great work. I, I, this is, I'm reading this live. I haven't finished it. So if it does get rude halfway through, um, don't blame me. Excellent. Hey, Tom and Sam, great work on the podcast. I love hearing both of you try to mimic various accents. You're both hilarious <laughs> and quite good at it. I'm not sure we've been listening to the same podcast, Matthew. 
<laughs> I wonder if you consider doing accents and dialects as a topic someday. I'd love to hear oh, the... That's not bad. Yeah, idea. interesting. Left field. I like that. I'd love to hear yeah. the history and your own cracks at things like Cajun accent and the Gullah accent. Some pretty niche history Ooh. and geography among these smaller groups who have funny sounds that come out of their mouths. <laughs> Keep up the good work. <laughs> Cheers, Matt. <laughs> The good thing about that, though, is you're gonna, if you're going to do a niche accent, nobody knows what it sounds like anyway. No, I don't know what I don't know what we gula, I don't, what is gula. I don't know what gula is. I do like Cajun on my chips, though. Oh, sprinkle that on your on your freshly cut up chips. Ooh. Oh, stick them in the oven. Lovely. I like a bit of catfish. Um, catfish is Cajun, isn't it? I think. Catfish. Yeah, love a bit of catfish. It's delicious. Oh, is it? Mm. Wow, what a str- what is a catfish? Is it cat? Is it fish? I don't know. Is it <laughs> it's fish a fish that looks like a cat or a cat that looks like a fish? It's a furry fish that brings you mice. Nice. Yeah. It sounds good. How do you have it? Um, well, you have to catch it first off by dangling a glittery tassel. A glittery tassel. It's a bit like a piranha. <laughs> <laughs> and then if it wants to, it'll uh, it'll turn up. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and then as soon as you've caught it, it immediately demands to be let back into the river again, at which point you let it enter the river, and then it demands to come back into the fishing basket. Because <laughs> it's a cantankerous catfish. It is a cantankerous catfish. Excellent. I think we had pets on the subject of catfish. We had pets Oh, yes, someone, someone did suggest pets, yes. I can't again. find that one now, but yes, pets is a good idea as well. That's an interesting one. So Okay, so we've got pets and accents in the back pocket. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, yes, my, my, I'm beginning, aren't I? Uh, I? Sam, you'll be surprised to hear, I actually met an old friend this week when I was out walking around the village. Did, and, did you? Um, was, it, I did. was it Ringo Starr again? <laughs> no, it was someone else, but they are very famous. Are they? And you'll never guess who it was. Was Sam. it David Bowie? It, it wasn't David Bowie. <laughs> David but Bowie. Guess. David Bowie might come in the future episode. <laughs> um, let me give you a clue, Sam. Okay. I, Hey, up, Pamela, put on some... <laughs> do that again. Breathe <laughs> <this> again. <laughs> Sorry, I fucked it up. Hey, up, Pamela, put some sun cream on my ass, will you? <laughs> oh, oh, ooh, ooh, hmm. No, I'm not there yet. It's It was David Hosselhaff. You're right, Sam. <laughs> David oh. Hosselhaff. <laughs> Yeah, uh, David Hosselhaff, amazing. Yeah, we met. Yeah, we met back in Berlin, '91. That's when we first met. He's been a good friend all all since then. Amazing. And anyway. did you watch David Hasselhoff knock down the Berlin Wall together? <laughs> <laughs> me, 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 me and David Hasselhoff, the northern twat with a wife called Bamla. <laughs> yeah, you just sat, sat there with a couple of tins. <laughs> Going, hey, up, a poor fat American lad looks like a right tit. <laughs> he's taken that. I tell you what, he's taken that wall down all the wrong way. No. You know what would be good for that? Fred Dibner. <laughs> He'd know how to take that down. I hope he's going to replace that with a nice slat wooden fence covered in Ron Seal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, David Hasselhoff, not to be mixed up with David Hasselhoff. Of course not. Uh, as it turns out, is a big fan of the show. Um, and as, as it he turns would be. out. Oh, he wrote a song, would you believe it, Oh, Sam? fuck, did he? <laughs> and it was inspired by an episode on Wagner, the scatological composer. I think it was your piece, wasn't it? It was, Wagner? It, no, it was, well, it was Mozart, but I don't want to ruin your song. Was it Mozart? He's still German, that's <laughs> yeah. fine. Austrian. Wagner was scatological as well, though. Was he? Yeah, they're all bloody scatological. Are you sure you're not thinking of his uh, contemporary Wagner? 
Well, it could have been. <laughs> could have been Wankner. <laughs> he was an artist, though, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. A very expressive artist. Yes. Hold on. Let me let me press play again on my cassette. <clears throat> Click. Some people won't grab the bug brush. Afraid to stand up to the shite. Some people need to unblock the crapper when the water in the toilet gets high. Don't you worry. Yeah. It's gonna be alright. Cause I'm always ready. I won't let the flood the room with shite. Oh, <laughs> You know the chorus. I'll be ready. I'll be ready. Never you fear. Never you fear. I'll be ready. Ooh. Forever and always. I'm always here. There you go. <laughs> David Hossel has 24-hour plumbing service, £80 call-out fee. <laughs> £20 an hour thereafter. <laughs> So they, that's that's uh, that's uh, David. Um, so yeah, and he recommended to me an awesomely scatological source from medieval Germany, Sam. Because Did he? as we've already discussed, medieval Germany, Germany in general, um, love love a poo joke. They absolutely do. Yes, they love to take it up the Danube. They, they do. I say. I say. I say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that that source is a source called Till Uhlenspiegel. Oh. Which translates as owl mirror, or possibly arsewipe, according to experts in Middle German. So, <laughs> hang on, let's analyse this. How did owl mirror and arsewipe become synonymous? Well, what the owl <laughs> looks very much like an ass, Sam, as we all know. Well, of course, we do. A big hairy German ass. Yep, the mirror is all you can get nowadays to wipe your ass with. I see. So it's a very forward thinking uh, yeah I want well I want to know it's a bit like uh, in, in Demolition is it Demolition Man yeah it's Demolition Man where oh, they've got the, yeah. with the three shells I want to know <laughs> yeah. how you clean your ass with an owl and a mirror <laughs> that's a great scene isn't it because Sly, Sly Stallone just starts swearing because it keeps giving him tickets so he can wipe his ass <laughs> that is brilliant that's a cracking scene Anyway, where was I? Um, as we've discovered in this podcast on innumerable occasions, history is full of spoil sports like, you know, the UN, <laughs> the WHO, <laughs> UNICEF, God, Amnesty International, uh. wankers. Unfortunately for us, Sam, the original document detailing the adventures of mischief maker and prankster extraordinaire Till Uhlenspiegel have been boulderised since the early 16th century. Mm. Horribly boulderized by spoil sports. Do we need to remind people what boulderizing is? It's it's the act of making something rude into something less rude because you're a boring twat. The opposite of this podcast. We are <laughs> we are putting our effort into deboulderizing history. You can thank us later. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I'm I'm fluent in many medieval languages, Sam. As I you know, know you are because we often talk in in medieval languages, don't we? Just casually. We do. Yeah, we we but drop I'm, in our withers and whatnots. <laughs> yes, and I, <laughs> and I hit the tippers, but I've not quite mastered Verily. early new high German yet. No, so, it was a problem I was having last week actually with my yeah, with my source on nuns, just, a mad nuns. Yeah, get, yeah, you were, weren't you? Yeah, you did say that at the time. So the original documents were tantalisingly out of reach. So all of these rude documents, 
And modern, boulderized versions of the stories are easily available in English. There's also, there's a translation from 1972. Actually, no, the, the translation from 1972 is a good one. It's rude. But I couldn't find it online. And I was also willing to pay for this one, but I just couldn't find it anywhere. So that oh. really disappointed me. Um, however, through exhaustive research, I have discovered some translations of some of the original stories. And there are about 100 short stories in this original document. So, hurrah, I have found some translations. Excellent. So let me tell you more about Till Eulenspiegel. The story of Till originates in the 16th century, or at least um, this is when our oldest sources come from. But as we have learned in older episodes, these stories are often older than the first printed version. Till is born in 1300, and he travels around the Holy Roman Empire, being a tow rag and general prankawanker until his death at the hands of the Black Death in 1350. And that sentence alone just sort of indicates how well connected my last three to four contributions <laughs> to our episodes have been. Yes, it's almost as if you've been reading one source. <laughs> <laughs> I've read one article in a history magazine. I'll do. I can spread this into one month. <laughs> yeah, I'll do. For I'll just make up some shit about them having rude stories. And uh, the stories from Till are fairly well known in their boulderized forms. So, for example, um, famous British children's author Michael Rosen has written a mm. version of the stories. Oh, uh, interesting. Back in the late 80s, I think he published that for the first time. Richard Strauss wrote a tone poem at the end of the 19th century about Till. And I'm not quite sure how a tone poem differs to a standard piece of orchestral music. It's not an area of expertise for me, but it was, he basically wrote a piece of music about Till. It's been made into numerous films and television series, particularly in places like Germany and Denmark, I think, from my research. And there are museums devoted to him in, in Germany. He has the odd statue here or there, and he has a fountain named after him somewhere in Germany. And um, I even found some old fine porcelain from a Copenhagen artist, a Copenhagen <laughs> artist depicting Till. So he's very, very well known in sort of Germanic cultures. There's even a French word, espiegel, or espieglerie, thought to be derived from Till Ullenspiegel, and the French word means impish or mischievous. Hmm. Yeah, very, very interesting. And yes, here's the final is. little interesting thing for you. There was a club founded in 1971 in New York called TES, T-E-S, the Ullenspiegel Society. Have a guess what it was, Sam. The first of its kind in the United States. Was it a swingers club? A swimming club. Yes, a little known fact, prior to 1971, no one in the US could swim. I actually said swinging. Oh, it's a swinging club, <laughs> sorry. They weren't very good at that either. They were definitely more into the slides and the monkey bars. It was actually, you're not far off, it was USA's first BDSM club, apparently. Hmm. There you go. There we, there we go. Hark back to last episode, that was probably where Mr Whippy... <laughs> and little Miss Dildo ended up. What was it? Little Miss, Miss, Mr. Buttplug. Um, all used to spend their free time. Excellent. Anyway, without further ado, Sam, I'm not being particularly historical today. I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to tell you some rude stories. Fine. Um, <laughs> I've done a bit of history in the last couple of episodes. Let's enjoy some original stories that I found translated into English. And the following two are from a chap called D.L. Ashleyman, a retired professor from the University of Pittsburgh. And these translations are available on the university website. Ooh, get me. Look, I'm citing. Um, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Steady now. <laughs> out of this pub, you pretentious wanker. The first story is called How Till Eulenspiegel Became a Furrier's Apprentice. 
It's a little bit long, Sam, but don't worry, quite rapidly you're going to be captivated and on the edge of your seat. <laughs> Excellent. <coughs> I'm currently so leaning back in my seat, so I've got about a foot to go forwards. Oh, okay. Do keep us <laughs> keep us updated on we'll, your progress. We'll do. We'll do. If you hear it a thud, mid- <laughs> <laughs> your rein it in against the desk. <laughs> it was it was midwinter when Till Ullenspiegel arrived in Arschleben. Times were hard, but in Arschleben, this has started well. <laughs> Arschleben. <laughs> yeah, I got to that. I got to that town name, um, having not reread my notes, but after I after I wrote them, thinking, oh. Um, but I just decided to plough on. <laughs> Times were hard, but finally he found a furrier who was willing to take on an apprentice, and he was put to work sewing pelts. Not being accustomed to the smell of curing hides, he said, Pew, pew, you're as white as chalk, but stink like dung. The furrier said, If you don't like the smell, then why are you a furrier's apprentice? It's a natural smell. It's only wool. Eulin Spiegel said nothing but thought. One bad thing can drive another bad thing away. Then he let such a sour fart that Furrier and his wife had to stop, had to stop working. <laughs> oh, this book suddenly went very German. <laughs> the Furrier said, if you have to fart like that, then go out into the courtyard. There you can fart as much as you like. Eulen Spiegel answered, a fart is more natural and healthier than the stench of your sheep pelts. The Furrier said, healthy or not, if you want to fart, then go outside. <laughs> Eulen Spiegel said, Master, it would do no good because farts don't like the cold. They are used to being in a warm place. That's why if you let let a fart, it always rushes for your nose. It goes from one (laughs) warm place to another. The furrier said nothing, for he could see that Eulen Spiegel knew nothing of the furrier trade and was a rogue at that, and he sent him on his way. (laughs) There you go, cracking. A great, it's a great story. It's a very German story. It's a great story. It's a great story. And that this book, the the 1971 translation that I came, it was the 1972 translation that I came across, is on my hit list. It's on my historical, my list of, of historical books to put to purchase, along with um, Boccaccio's *The Cameron* and a few others that I think would be really good fun. <laughs> oh, to read. your library is going to be excellent if you can find them in hardback. <laughs> the first editions. Yeah. Um, Here's the second story. From what I like the same as well source. is that sounds very much. It's very much of its era because it sounds very much like it was written by a five-year-old who'd been told in their <laughs> first year of school to write a creative story, <laughs> and they've come up with. Obviously, this is a five-year-old boy. The fart that wouldn't die. <laughs> <laughs> Which half of the room did. The other half of the, of the schoolroom did the irritating story where something marvelous happens and it ends with, and then suddenly he was falling and falling. And, and it then was he woke up. Just a dream. Yeah. Oh, so creative. Well done, five-year-old. <laughs> Fuck off out the pub. <laughs> this is this is why Tom lost his teaching license. <laughs> Next story: Till Eulenspiegel and the innkeeper at Cologne. <clears throat> Eulenspiegel journeyed to Cologne, where he stayed at an inn for two or three days without letting anyone know who he was. During this time, he noticed that the innkeeper was a rogue, and he thought. The guests will not be well off where the innkeeper is a rogue. You should find another place to stay. That evening, he told the innkeeper that he would be looking for another place to stay. The latter showed the other guests to their beds, but not Eulen Spiegel, who then said, Sir, I paid just as much for my lodgings as the others did, but you showed them to their beds. Am I supposed to sleep here on this bench? The innkeeper said, Look, here is a pair of sheets, and he let a fart. 
Then he let another one and said, look, this is your pillow. <laughs> then for the third time, he let one until it stank and said, look, now you have an entire bed. Use them until morning and then lay them in a pile for me so I can find everything together. Ooh. Julian Spiegel said nothing but thought, look, take note that one rogue deserves another rogue. And that night he slept on the bench. Now the innkeeper had a nice folding table. Julian Spiegel opened up the leaves, shit a large pile on the table <laughs> and then closed it up again. <laughs> He got up early in the morning, went to the innkeeper's room and said, Sir, I thank you for the night's lodging. Then letting a large fart, he said, Those are the feathers from your bed. I laid the pillow, the sheets and the covers all together in a pile. The innkeeper said, Sir, that is good. I will look after them as soon as I get up. Spiegel said, Do that. Just look around, you'll find them all right. And with that, he left the inn. The innkeeper expected many guests for the noon meal, and he said that they should eat at the nice folding table. When he opened up the table, an evil stink flew up his nose. Seeing the dung, he said, he gives what it was earned. He paid for a fart with a shit. <laughs> then the innkeeper sent for Spiegel because he wanted to get to know him better. Spiegel did indeed come back, and he and the innkeeper appreciated one another's tricks so much that from this time forth, Spiegel got a good bed. <laughs> That's very German as well, isn't it? Crime pays, Tom. Crime pays. <laughs> oh, you did. Oh, that's a good retort. <laughs> I like. I like a good shitty repost. <laughs> Come back later. We'll have a chat. <laughs> so that just gives a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful insight into uh, the stories in this book, and I was so disappointed I couldn't read more of them. Ah, uh, there is another good. It does one. sound amazing. <laughs> it, it sounds brilliant, doesn't it? It does. I want to read this. You see why it's so popular. <laughs> There's another good one where Till... And it's not rude, this one. It's just quite... I thought it was quite funny. There's another good one where Till is practising tightrope walking outside his house as a child. His mother cuts the end of the rope and Till falls in a river, much to the amusement of the locals who are watching. The next day, Till returns to the same spot, reattaches the rope and performs some excellent tightrope tricks... As a grand finale, he tells the large number of onlookers to help him by tying their left shoes to a long rope that he has. They do so, Till takes a rope, climbs up on the tightrope out of reach um, of, the, of the audience, and takes each shoe at a time and throws them randomly into the crowd. Cracking. <laughs> Good times. So basically just a bit of a twat with he a is. slightly loose bowel. Yeah, <laughs> like fart jokes. And the st- it's unclear whether or not Till Spiegel was a genuine person, but he was basically a clown, an acrobat, a travelling travelling idiot and a prankster. <laughs> and he went around the whole Holy Roman Empire in the 50 years he was living, just being a, being a prat. And, um, <laughs> and uh, on a seri- more serious note, the, the word owl mirror could actually um, refer to the fact that Tillens Spiegel, through these stories, through these acts, was actually putting up a mirror to society. So he was Ah uh, um, yes. When we shit yeah. on the when we shit on the innkeeper's table, really, we shit on our own tables. We shit on absolutely. the tables of society. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we yeah, it's it's it's, it's a parable, really. <laughs> absolutely. And and the jokes, the poo jokes are not there. The fact are not there for their initial base amusement. They're there no. as a way of producing something much more profound absolutely Um, well the third one sounded quite profound absolutely (laughs) the third Um, part was definitely more profound (laughs) this is presumably how academics in the past have justified translating this into different languages by pretending 
<laughs> there's something more serious about it. When deep down they just wanted they just wanted to to translate some funny rude stories. Yeah. <laughs> and make them not rude anymore. Well, but yeah, apart from those people, they're bastards. Yeah, wank wankers. <laughs> um, here are some other chapter slash story titles that I did get a hold of from some book websites, but I obviously couldn't read the actual stories. But they just give you a good feel for some of the other Till stories. Here's one. How Eulen Spiegel became a brewer's assistant at Einbeck and how he boiled a dog called Hops instead of Hops. <laughs> da, 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 da. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Here's another one. How the priest of Hohengelsen ate one of Eulen Spiegel's sausages. Something Uh-oh. which subsequently did not make him happy. <laughs> Get, I mean, Uh-oh, just let the mind wander. <laughs> we can just all decide what the sausages were and why they made um, the priests unhappy. You can just decide that yourself. <laughs> but from my research, it would appear that most of these stories did involve Eulen Spiegel tricking someone into touching, eating, smelling poo. Um, <laughs> Deutschland, Deutschland. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Uh, and the third one how Eulen Spiegel and this is very very medieval um, very very medieval how Eulen Spiegel cheated Jews at Frankfurt on the Main out of a thousand guilders by selling them his excrement as prophets berries (laughs) very very medieval there Um, very medieval very German anti-Semitic very German (laughs) anti-catalogical perfect (laughs) And uh, on, on that note, Sam... Which, incidentally, will be the perfect segue into my... <laughs> is that right? Excellent. Well, there you go. Uh, that's Beautiful. Just as an opportunity to segue. <laughs> Anti-Semitic, shit-loving Germans. Over to you, Sam. <laughs> well, yes. Your favourite anti-Semitic, shit-loving German. <laughs> Guten Tag! Hello! Hello! <laughs> Wow, I like that. That's a beautiful, a beautiful story, Tom. I'm glad you found. It. I need to read more medieval literature because it is foul. It's, this is brilliant. This, this is a primary source. I mean, fuck, bloody venerable bead. You know, <laughs> off you go, Foissart. Let's have some fun stuff. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Go fuck yourself, Beowulf. Yeah. <laughs> Come back when you've discovered the joys of a long drop. Up your bum, song of Roland. Let's get some proper stuff. <laughs> Damn straight. Um, well, that's wonderful, Tom. And, and thank you. Thank you for bringing the silly this week. That's why we make a good team, isn't it, Sam? You know, we're looking out for each other. I, I knew... Got each down, other's backs. Yeah, I knew you were going to do something slightly more serious, so I just thought I'd bring the silly. Good man. Good man. Well, I am going to start slightly silly today, Tom. Slightly silly. I hinted at the beginning of the podcast that I was going to start <laughs> off with a couple of honourable mentions. I, I thought you were going to do something really, really pathetically silly, like... Uh, have what are those things at parties go <laughs> a whoopee cushion a wh- yeah <laughs> the sound of a fart to go what's <laughs> 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 that a spinning bow tie or something yeah I've got some itching powder to <laughs> <laughs> sprinkle over actually, your own I, seat. No, I no I haven't I've just got crabs <laughs> no no Tom I'm going to start off with a couple of honourable mentions for funny diplomatic faux pas over the years <laughs> These are ones that I found, and I was going to, for my story today, just do faux pas. And I thought, no, nah, it's not quite narrative enough. I want to do something which is a bit more, a little bit more in-depth. But there were a couple which I just couldn't pass up. And the first is a special shout-out to US President Jimmy Carter. Thanks for listening, Jimmy. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's texting, asking if we can play Shawaddy Waddy. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, in 1977, Jimmy Carter went to Poland. Now, this should have been a fairly boring trip, Tom. You turn up, give a big speech, banging on about democracy for a while in front of a load of communists who aren't really listening, do a few vodka shots, take a photo, smiling with a baby and shaking the hand of a dictator, and piss off home after checking your luggage for microphones. However, there was a problem with this trip from the outset, and that was Mr. Carter's translator, who was a guy called Stephen Seymour. Now, he was paid $150 a day, which is about $650 per day today, so you'd hope that he could speak Polish, Tom. Can <laughs> he speak Polish, Sam? Not very well. <laughs> he, could, he could read and write it, not so good with the speaking. What Carter meant to say in his great big opening speech to the Polish people, and what he did say in English was that he had left America that morning. Fairly boring start, but it got translated into Polish as President Carter had left America for good that morning, i.e. that he was migrating to Poland. Hello! (laughs) (laughs) Confusing, but Poland's a nice enough country. Fine, fair enough. Significantly more embarrassing was what happened next, Tom. President Carter said he wanted to learn more on his trip about Poland's desires for the future. And how was that translated, Tom? The Polish audience, and fuck only knows why, were told that President Carter wanted to get to know them carnally. (laughs) Before announcing that he was very excited to grab at Poland's private parts. (laughs) They never teach that one in school, do they? So that sent me down the rabbit hole of other diplomatic blunders. And I came across, um, and I'm going to pronounce his first name wrong, I think it's uh, Joachim von Ribbentrop. Now, some listeners, and probably yourself, Tom, will be familiar with von Ribbentrop. Wasn't von Ribbentrop a Nazi? He was, yes. He was the uh, chief Nazi diplomat and foreign minister who brought together the Axis (laughs) powers. He wasn't very good at it. Just just kept invading countries. (laughs) I mean... Diplomacy of sorts? <laughs> uh, well, he, he did bring together the Axis powers and he also arranged the quite famous Molotov-Ribbentrop uh, non-aggression pact between the USSR and Germany, which eventually yes, led yes, to the yes. splitting of Poland by the pair in 1939, which is how I found him from Jimmy Carter in Poland. But he was also the German ambassador to the UK for a few years and made a right dick up of it. He surrounded himself with fanatical nutcases and committed so many diplomatic blunders that by the end of his term, no serious British officials would even see him. Uh, He took this personally, becoming increasingly anglophobic, to the point where he actually tried to convince Hitler, and this genuinely happened, to sign up to an anti-British alliance with the Soviets (laughs) and to invade the British Empire instead of Eastern Europe. That didn't happen, obviously, but what an alternative oh, world history... It would have been a mistake, wouldn't it, Sam? Because <laughs> they would have had their asses. They, they would have done, Tom. They would have done. Who do you think <laughs> you are kidding Hitler and Mr. Stalin? <laughs> so he committed a whole load of stupid gaffes, which got him a right bad reputation in Britain. Right bad um, reputation. Right bad reputation and made I... him a stock. <laughs> well, in Newcastle, nobody liked one Hitler <laughs> Well... Well, Tom, actually, more like Durham. Uh, sorry, I lost the accent there completely. I don't know where that went. <laughs> bit peaky blinders, wasn't it? Um, so, <laughs> so several of his faux pas were related to his fondness for a certain salute. 
Right. So in November 1936, he was taken to a service in Durham Cathedral and a hymn called, and I don't know this hymn, uh, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken was sung. It's Glorious Things of the Arse Are Spoken. The, yeah, yes. <laughs> glorious Things from Thy Arse Doth Emanate. <laughs> In the key of C. <laughs> now, <laughs> hold on, hold on. There's got to be, a, there's got to be a hymn that we can bastard, bastardize. Um, <laughs> all uh, farts bright and sonorous, all guffs deep down and harsh. All farts bright and sonorous, they all come from your ass. Each smelly little bum-puff, each rancid little guff. God has them all in his pocket and he hands them out with love. Very How was good. That? <laughs> have a go. I'll have a go. I'll have a go. Okay. <clears throat> My wind has broken like the first morning. My ass has spoken like the first bird. Praise for my ass thing. Praise for my shitting. Praise for them springing fresh from my ass. <laughs> I see what you've done there. You've replaced lots of words with ass. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Hey, hey. Yeah. One more. Hey, got your number. <laughs> uh, beautiful. I beautiful. Quite, I quietly just enjoy singing a hymn. <laughs> Me too. I feel deeply spiritual right yeah, now. I feel like I'm just a step closer <laughs> to heaven. Have you ever seen the video of the American preacher that someone's like he's speaking <laughs> yes, in tongues preacher. and someone's just yes. put loads of fart sounds over him? Yes. <laughs> so like, Jesus, Jesus, I can feel you coming. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait. it's beautiful. <laughs> wait a moment. Just keep waiting. Just wait for the Lord. <laughs> he's, I think he's quite a famous... Um, televangelist, he, yeah, yes. Yeah, televangelist. And I think he's been done for um, uh, corruption or fraud in the past. And he's still making money. So yeah, I think yes. he's quite a famous televangelist. <laughs> but it is funny. It's the frantic preacher. That is <laughs> second year of university. Uh, <laughs> I distinctly remember discovering the farting preacher. <laughs> so to get vaguely back to the story, <laughs> the hymn started, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. Now, as the organ kicked up, the first few bars of this song sounded very much like the Horst Vessel song, which was the Nazi anthem. <laughs> Ribbentrop, <laughs> with reflex action, jumped to his feet, threw the Nazi salute and started Zeke Heiling in the middle of Durham Cathedral in the middle of a service. <laughs> How weird. He very quickly had to be literally manhandled and pulled back down into his seat by his handlers, who told him he was a fucking idiot. Very Doctor Strangelove, that, isn't it? <laughs> very, it is very Doctor Strangelove, precisely that. Far, far funnier, though. Far funnier, Tom, was the occasion in February 1937, where he accidentally punched King George VI in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as political gaffes go, is a pretty good one. Pretty bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. Don't so, punch a, a head of state in the face. No. Well, it's actually... Do you know what? It's a tradition that you're not even supposed to touch the monarch because of their healing powers. And there was a big furore a few years ago with Michelle Obama, I think, put her arm around Queen Elizabeth and the, the royal correspondence went mad. Oh, well, yeah, she probably had, probably had gonorrhea or something that she needed fixing. Could, could have done it, yeah, could have done it. Who can Maybe say? Maybe had an ingrown toenail and she just thought, oh, if I quickly touch the Queen, sword. Mm, done. You should rub your bum up against us, Sam. 
You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so George was approaching Ribbentrop for a friendly handshake at a formal dinner. Now, as he approached Ribbentrop, ever the good Nazi, pulled out his old favourite Nazi salute. And because George was closing in closer for a handshake, (laughs) as he did the Nazi salute, he just punched him square on the nose, knocking him back with almost enough force to spark him out. (laughs) Wow. Now that is a faux pas. Anyway, all this got me on to thinking about more traditional travelling and exploration, Tom. There and was I a had... very good... Sorry to interrupt, but there was a very good political faux pas <laughs> from New Why are you apologising for interrupting now? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's taken episodes? me 25 minutes to get through my first page of notes. <laughs> I had to forcibly restrain you from doing the Match of the Day theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> but you're sorry now. OK, go on. <laughs> well, I'm not really. Um, there was a famous, uh, there was quite a famous one from New Zealand that may not have got out of New Zealand, and I think this was after the New Zealand rugby team, the All Blacks, won the twenty eleven World Cup final, and it was a World Cup that took place in New Zealand, and so the um, All Blacks captain Richie McCaw was given the trophy in New Zealand by the uh, then New Zealand Prime Minister John Key, and there was what can only be described as a handshake gangbang. It was fully televised where Richie McCaw uh, went to shake the hand of someone else who was handing him the trophy and John Key thought, no, I'm the Prime Minister. I've got to get my hand in right now for the photo shoot. And there was just a very awkward (laughs) three-person handshake with fingers pointing in all sorts of directions. Um, (laughs) Which was, was very amusing. Excellent. And the trophy, I presume, was dropped in the middle of it. On, onto his head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, and he proceeded to run around the rugby pitch. <laughs> Slightly concussed head. with a colander on his head. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, so, yes, from all of these faux pas, I, I had a bit of a thought, because we've talked a lot about explorers on this podcast, and a lot of the time they're, they're pretty morally dubious, but they're always our guys, so to speak. They're British, they're Australian, but we haven't really talked much about the quote-unquote bad guys and their exploration of the world. So today, since we're going travelling, I thought I'd talk a bit about a group called the, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, the Annenberg. Annenerb. 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 Sing it. Annenerb. Sing it like you mean it. Annenerb. Sing it like a gospel singer, Sam. Digging for the very first time. They were Nazi archaeologists. And their friends, the Amt Rosenberg. Cher and Madonna. You, anyone, any female artist over the age of 150, you can do brilliantly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My Dame Vera Lynn uh, is, is famed. <laughs> Shirley Batty. <laughs> <laughs> Diamonds are forever. so yes the Annenerb and the Amt Rosenberg who were bizarre and downright evil pseudo-scientific Nazi archaeological societies who toured the world trying to find evidence to prove their frankly batshit crazy ideas about race and history now Tom you've probably seen Indiana Jones haven't you oh I'm a big Indiana Jones fan yes so you'll know that he hates Nazis and these are the guys he hates these are the guys that the Nazis were based off in Indiana Jones. journalists, Sam. Indiana Jones hates Nazis and journalists who are asking slightly edgy questions. 
He That's does. That's what Indiana Jones hates. <laughs> he does. He hates all of that. And snakes. And snakes. He hates yeah. snakes. Maybe that's the journalists. Who can say? <laughs> yeah. So these were the guys he hates, and there's a whole load of legends surrounding them, obviously, like Indiana Jones, as well as the general Nazi obsession with the occult, but these groups did exist, and they had some pretty mad expeditions under their belt. Now, some of this was to try and find out more about German heritage, some was to prove the superiority of German heritage, but most of it was actually to try and prove that wherever you were in the world, the Germans got there first, (laughs) and therefore had a hereditary and racial right to claim X or Y territory from whoever happened to be living there now. So they were they sort of like, you know, getting a really strong German person to lift up a pyramid, and then they would quickly flick... Um, uh, some sauerkraut or a schnitzel underneath it. Yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was more a case of they take a look at the pyramids and they say, ah, that pyramid looks quite a lot like Ina Toblerone. And the Swiss, they are similar to us. Yeah, so we yeah. can surmise from this that the Swiss and Germans built the pyramids. Oh, very good, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. In Rome, they have the um, Colosseum. Looks very much like a gato. And you know where Gatto comes from? The Black Forest. The Black Forest, yeah. And the Black Forest in Germany, so it is the Black Forest Gatto. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what they were specifically not looking for was Aryan archaeology. This is a bit confusing, but the academics of these groups viewed the kind of traditional Nazi trope of the Aryan-Semitic divide as being really overly simplistic and really just a crowd-pleaser for the peasants. Get no. out of here. I, I know, right? Well, their, their actual views weren't any better. <laughs> their actual views were no better. <laughs> they were just slightly more complicated. Slightly more complicated racism. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Dressed up in lots of words. Because um, these people believe that the Aryans were merely the upper echelons of the Nordic people, so the kind of the Scandinavians, Northern Europeans, whilst the Jews were a cultural mishmash who'd spread themselves around any culture they came into contact with and therefore didn't really count as anything and weren't worthy of any respect. So exactly the same idea, just couched slightly differently. Uh, it's still utter nonsense, a twist on the classic. <laughs> and so what these guys were looking for was essentially Nordic history. And with it, the Nazis hoped, proof that Nordic paganism was the one true religion. And this really went quite high up in in the Nazi power structure, that they really wanted paganism to be the official religion of Nazism. Christianity was kind of uh, tolerated, but not really celebrated. They wanted paganism back. I mean, after all, Christ was a Jew. Well, that was the basis of it, yes. Not good stuff. They didn't want to be following a religion that had its roots in Judaism, essentially. The first of these groups is Amt Rosenberg, which was an organisation founded by Alfred Rosenberg in 1934 and was smaller than the Anonyme, but was the far more professional outfit. (laughs) Uh, It had the express aim of supporting the theory that the German people were the last... Oh, yeah, this is... Right, we're getting into batshit crazy territory immediately. Bear in mind, this is the more serious group of archaeologists who were more respected (laughs) and better trained. They set out to prove the claim that the German people were the last refugees from the lost city of Atlantis. <laughs> right. And therefore were the father folk of all modern civilizations, Right. which the German people had travelled the world sharing with the people they met all of the knowledge of civilization before finally right. settling in Germany. Why wouldn't you? 
It didn't launch much in the way of major expeditions. It was more of an academic organisation. It's a common justification, though, isn't it, throughout history? It's a common way of justifying your your rule. Bastardised history to connect... Uh, the, the Scottish... Was it during the Middle Absolutely. Ages? The Scottish royalty connected themselves to Aeneas, didn't they? Yes, they, they traced, did. Yeah, they absolutely. Their ancestry back down to ancient Roman Aeneas. Yep, and, and so yeah, at some point, almost every monarch or despot in the Western world has connected themselves to Alexander the Great. Yeah, almost, almost all of them. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's it's completely standard, and that's exactly what what these guys are doing. It just so happens that the history they were trying to connect themselves with was Didn't exist. Was fucking nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it was a crack dream. <laughs> So, Anenerb was much more interesting as an organisation, but absolutely more batty. <laughs> it was also an absolutely horrific organisation, being involved in quite a lot of human experimentation during its lifetime. Uh, in particular, they did a lot of experiments in World War II with, on prisoners using nonsense ancient herbal remedies to try and cure deliberate gunshot wounds. So they'd shoot a prisoner and then rub some ointment on it and see what happened. Um, they died, usually. Because they, because they had guns in the ancient world. <laughs> yeah. Well, and because herbal remedies work so well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, precisely. Remember, let's go back to basics here. The ancients, you, you could conquer the whole of the ancient world by making your pike slightly longer. Absolutely. That was considered a major escalation in technology, which took several decades to, to remedy make your by... spear longer. <laughs> for crying out loud wait until they start throwing them Tom here we go <laughs> I mean everyone was fine with knives until an archer came along and decided that he wanted to shoot that guy all the way over there with a knife <laughs> so the organisation was founded by Himmler himself Heinrich Himmler and by Dutch prehistorian Hermann Wirth in 1935 now these two were convinced that the ancient runes that were being found around Germany predated all other known civilizations by thousands and thousands of years and showed evidence of an early, long-lost Nordic civilization. Uh, conventional archaeologists, of course, who knew about, you know, Egypt and Assyria, <laughs> yeah. started Babylon, mocking them yeah. ruthlessly, yeah. at which point Worth spun a tale that the German people, the reason why they were there first but there was no evidence of it, really, was Very that tidy. the German... <laughs> Yeah, they were just very, very efficient at cleaning up after themselves. Yep. Very into recycling. And no, he, he claimed that the German people had started out in a far northern Arctic enclave, so up in the northern uh, the North Pole, long since lost to the sea, which was in fact the mythical city of Atlantis, so tying it back to their original batshit crazy theory. So there's no evidence of it because it's all under the ocean. Yeah. And because he had the support of the Nazi party, that line, despite being nonsense, pretty much became official government policy that the German people were descended from a long-lost city in the Arctic Circle. A freezing cold Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely, yes. Atlantis on ice, the Disney version. Yeah. In fact, Anirneb was, <laughs> was so beloved of the Nazi hierarchy and its works were so respected by them that it was eventually absorbed into the SS. And the way it went about proving this was by launching nonsense expeditions all over the world. So in 1935 uh, into 1936, Himmler paid for an expedition into the wastelands of northern Finland to try and find the origins of this lost civilization. Uh, the group recorded ancient Finnish songs and folklore, they took uh, casts of rock carvings, and they even interviewed and filmed witches and shamans 
to try and work out their magical powers and to learn a bit more about the past, who had apparently foreseen their arrival. So you can see where this kind of belief, this conspiracy theory that the Nazis were really into the occult came from. It's because they were searching out fucking witches. And they were so bad... I mean, can you not help but feel that they were so batshit crazy they started believing they're batshit? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. They were completely sold on this. Like, the archaeologists themselves thoroughly believed what they were what they were talking about. So convinced, so convinced were they that they were right, that they were willing to believe anything put in front of them. Including witch doctors, yep. Sounds absolutely. Like vegans, doesn't it? Yeah. Another expedition. In 1937, the group discovered a load of uh, runic petroglyphs in Italy, so uh, rock paintings, which uh, convinced them that, yes... Germans had in fact founded Tom the city of Rome of it is. and th- therefore the Roman Empire was in fact Nordic yes <laughs> and lots of evidence to support this obviously now, I don't know if, if you've ever met an Italian Tom they are not particularly German <laughs> Efficiency? very different people very no. different cultures <laughs> um. reserved. reserved no no <laughs> But of course, all of this was very convenient because suddenly, oh look, because the German Roman Empire had once controlled all the way up in the territory all the way up into Iran and all across North Africa, that meant that under the German doctrine of first dibs, <laughs> the Germans could now claim all of the Eastern Mediterranean and Middle East. Look, right, magic. Yeah. Oddly, they went on a secret expedition to map, explore, and possibly even colonise an area of the coast of Antarctica that was claimed by Norway, partly because they believed the Germans were well-suited to very cold climates. (laughs) But nothing ever really came of that because it turns out they weren't particularly well-suited to (laughs) Antarctic climates. So this is a particularly mad one. In 1938, the organisation launched an expedition to Tibet led by German zoologist and SS officer and spy Ernst Schaefer to try and prove yet another bonkers theory by a German racialist author called Hans Gunther, who's also known as the Race Pope, which is a <laughs> a dubious job, job title, pope. isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit like the Tiger King, uh, but anti-Semitic. I was, thinking, I was thinking a little bit more like wacky races. Oh, well, thinking, yeah, the, absolutely. The, the yeah, pope the pope, well, the Pope-mobile's a real thing. Exactly, and the Pope-mobile's shooting along... Yeah. The race pope. <laughs> no, that's match of the day. Or as, a, as the series should have been called, Tom, Wacky Racists. <laughs> yeah, that joke has been done before in this podcast. I know it has, <laughs> yes, but it's a good one and relevant. So. <laughs> so, yes, this expedition to Tibet was to try and prove a particularly bonkers theory by the race pope, Hans Gunther, that the Germans had invaded... That, that's the top what? gear. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> that's Little Spanish Flea by Herp Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, Tom. As well you know. Good knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. My record collection is fire. <laughs> so this, this theory was that the Germans had invaded China and Tibet in 2000 BC. Ooh, that's a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And a long way to go from Germany to Tibet. Yeah. But but there we go. There was a batshit crazy theory that because Nazi Germany was given credence that this had happened. And they also wanted to try and prove an even madder sub-theory that had stemmed from this, that Hitler, Tom, and this was Himmler's personal belief, that Hitler was a direct descendant of Buddha. Right. 
and that the two's teachings directly correlated. You often see, don't you? You often see Buddhas depicted with little moustaches. Well, absolutely, yes. And you see Buddha pointing to the horizon. Yep. (laughs) With an outstretched palm. And lifted leg. Yeah, and you you often see Buddha uh, riding atop a Panzerkampfwagen 4. Down the boulevards of Paris. It's just it's one of those things. It's funny how art repeats itself over time, isn't it? Although you mention that, the Nazi symbol is Buddhist in origin, is it not? Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is. And yeah. on that one piece of evidence that was built this theory. <laughs> it's, it, it's too much of a coincidence, Tom. This is like David Icke, 5G and coronavirus all over again. The pieces fit, sheeple. Wake up. Oh, was that what David Icke was talking about? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, so the BBC article didn't go into detail as to what he was gabbering, gibbering on about. No, people are taking it stupidly seriously, though. Like, two or three phone masts have been set fire to in the UK as a result. As, as someone wisely pointed out, there was no 3G, 5G, 1G, 2G during the bubonic plague. That is that is true, yes. Or wasn't there... Well, maybe the Nordic super race were pinging out their 5G, their 5G signals, yeah? Well, they could explain how they managed to get so far and do so much. They could have all been talking over mobile phones. <laughs> yes. So Himmler was convinced that uh, Hitler and Buddha were related and their teachings correlated. Um, although I think Burma, Sri Lanka, fanatical Buddhists with a slightly genocidal bent. Stranger True. things have happened. <laughs> True. The Buddhists are certainly not immune to being bastards are they <laughs> no no they're not do you know why that is Sam because why human. is that Tom it's because they're human it is we yeah. all have the potential to be turds we, we do all have the potential to be turds so officially the expedition was there to map magnetic fields and for bird spotting but in reality they spent most of their time making plaster casts of local people's heads and measuring breathe. their body I can't breathe <laughs> stay <laughs> <very> still <laughs> they are your oh, who the fuck are you hold what your you? breath <laughs> God in him hold your breath where did you come from I'm just really walking along the street and before I know it I'm on my face plaster casted I will just hold still yeah I will cut a little hole in a minute um, so yes well as well as making plaster casts of unsuspecting passers-by they were also <laughs> measuring their heads what just happened <laughs> I was out walking my dog and I'm sure I felt a tape measure tickle my ear <laughs> yeah <laughs> I went to get a new suit measure today and the tailor looked somewhat different from my normal Tibetan tailor. Hello. He had a very funny accent. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> my name is Heinz the Suit. <laughs> I am a traditional Tibetan tailor. Yeah. And today we have a new lovely selection of fabrics by Hugo Boss. <laughs> and yeah, you would look darling in plus fours and sci-high leather boots. Mm. Honig, let me just get out the tape measure. Oh, rather round down there, aren't we? Hmm. So but all you've done is measured my head. It is all you need. <laughs> nine, nine, nine is a good tailor nose. <laughs> Everything comes from the head circumference. Yeah, we can work out the rest as we come along. You know, I just have an eye for these things. <laughs> what does SS stand for? Oh, it stands for uh, super suits, <laughs> stylish suits, swab suits. Fancy <laughs> <the> super suits. <laughs> Funnily enough, 
They weren't above pretending to be someone to get what they wanted, Tom. Because Ernst Schaefer, the spy SS officer and uh, zoologist, made lots of scientific doodles, Tom. And I think you'll like this, Tom, because what do slightly stuck-up explorers with slightly fascistic bents like to make doodles of, Tom? Kinky gorillas. Gorillas in, in lingerie. <laughs> well, you were half right. Kangaroos in high heels. <laughs> Hedgehogs getting out the shower. Actually, you'll think you'll find it's llamas in compromising positions. <laughs> llamas in pyjamas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he made lots of scientific doodles of the sexual habits of the Tibetan people. Particularly, Tom, and for, for absolutely no reason that I can fathom that, <laughs> that this German would be doing this, he, uh, he was particularly fond of doing detailed scientific drawings of the Tibetan people masturbating and their homosexual activity where, for obvious scientific reasons, he made detailed drawings of every known homosexual sexual position practised by the Tibetans. Wow. Oh, you would not believe what they are doing. It is so disgusting, I could not take my eyes off it. I had to keep watching. I took a picture just to prove that it was happening, because I could not believe it with my very own eyes. Absolutely. I thought, do you know who... Mein God, I cannot wait to show this to Adolf when I get home. <laughs> Because I do know very much he likes being shot on, so I think he will probably <laughs> enjoy this. It, it will cement the reputation of the German people as being very, very much like the Tibetan people and the Buddhists, yeah? Because you like to shit in the mouse, we like to shit in the mouse. <laughs> Clearly, it is a sign that a Nordic civilization has passed through here many eons ago. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> and... Uh, well, the amazing thing is, Tom, and this is where we come on to from the, from, the, from the suits thing, he genuinely did, in order to get close to the Tibetans to film their sex acts, he posed as a doctor and as, as a travelling faith healer and insisted on watching them have sex in order to supposedly come up with cures for their various STIs. Oh, dear. <laughs> Which is a bit of an abuse of trust, even from an SS officer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a sense of sexual repression here. Yeah, it's just a touch. <laughs> well, that's the problem. No touching allowed. But the strangest expedition, and I am very nearly done, was probably to Bolivia, Tom. And it was headed by a guy named Edmund Kiss, a German author who was highly respected by the Nazis. In 1928, he visited the temples of the Andes and discovered, somewhat unsurprisingly, given the Nazis' propensity to find what they were looking for, that... <laughs> that these temples looked an awful lot like some traditional German houses. Therefore, ergo, they simply must have been built by Nordic travellers. Wait for it, Tom. Wait for it. A million years ago. One million years. One million years. Uh, that, for reference, is not long after the first human species began to appear at all, and it's 750,000 years before modern humans emerged. I was about to say, it's way before anatomically <laughs> modern humans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's. We're talking. We're talking Lucy, aren't we? We're, yeah, I mean, we're talking seven hundred and forty-nine thousand years before Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> the first anatomically modern human. <laughs> nice to see you. To see you. Nice. <laughs> oh, there's no one else around. Oh, what a disappointment! Diddly do, diddly do. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> I'll just wait around here for the Cro-Magnons <laughs> to arrive and we'll have a foxtrot. 
So, so Kiss claimed... I like a Neanderthal. Uh, <laughs> I like a Neanderthal. I like him. I like them all. <laughs> so Kiss claimed that the temples were built as part of an Atlantan colony or diplomatic mission millennia, millennia, hundreds of thousands, million years ago, and featured futuristic technology and even advanced celestial calendars. He even claimed to have found statues of German people at the Andean temples. I thought you were going to say statues of Bruce Forsyth, because I could believe that. (laughs) Yeah, well, me too. No, he found found Bruce there. (laughs) The great god Bruce. (laughs) Sitting by the Stargate, yeah. (laughs) In his pose. (laughs) Generation game pose. (laughs) let's have a look at what you can win a cuddly toy a human sacrifice (laughs) the kidneys of your enemies what do points make great spears (laughs) (laughs) excellent very well done Uh, unfortunately the statues of bruce forsyth and the germans were unfortunately never seen again after he spirited them away for safekeeping. Unsurprisingly, after this, he wrote a series of science fiction novels based on, uh, based on the site. Because, yeah, it's amazing how quickly this scientific fact was able to be turned to fiction. <laughs> Unfortunately, we'll never know the truth of the Andean temples. Well, I think we will, but anyway. Because a new expedition planned by Kiss for 1939 was cancelled due to the outbreak of the war. Which is a shame, Tom, because uh, as far as Ananerb was concerned... Do can only be German to discover the words in the form of old runes around the world when finding out which ancient race the vaults compatible with. He just needed extra time to tell. Kiss. Oh, it was a Tom Jones. You, I thought you were going to do, you know, what was it, Gene? Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. That's it. So, so there we go. That's that's my song for the week. Yes. Um, so anyway, there we go, Tom. The slightly odd expeditions of the mad, racist, and not especially academically talented German archaeological societies. Well, I never did. They not realise they were meddling with powers that you can't possibly comprehend. Sam. <laughs> I don't think they did, Tom. I don't think they did. Do you know what the really odd thing is? They actually they. They, they got away with it after the war. A few of them no, were didn't. arrested for... They've not heard about the Nuremberg trials. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, a few of them, the ones who were involved in the particularly, uh, particularly in the medical experiments, did get tried and executed at Nuremberg. But most of the rest just melted back into German academia and were running archaeology departments in Germany up until the 70s and 80s. Yeah, well, I think there would have been a lot of that, wouldn't they? I mean, there's no way you can mobilise oh, a God, whole yeah. nation to kill millions of Jews systematically and not have a few turds lurking around afterwards. Can you, really? What would Absolutely. It like? Do you know who we need, Tom? Clark We Gable. need David Hosselhaff. David Hosselhaff. <laughs> <laughs> He'll flush him out. All right, where do you want me to go? Okay. <laughs> I'm on it. I'll find him. But imagine what it would have been like in 1950s, 60s, 70s Germany where everyone's looking at, looking at each other like just don't mention the war I guess it's what made that episode of 40 Towers so funny because it must have been like that mustn't it in Germany just don't mention the war we all knew we were complicit yeah absolutely we all had relatives yeah. who were complicit I mean imagine people who were on the right side of the war you've all got stories of, of your granddad who was doing this and he, one of my granddads was um, arrived at some of the big concentration camps the day after they were liberated and was looking after prisoners. Because huh. one of my granddad left the day before. <laughs> is, that, is that right? 
<laughs> Genuinely. No, we well, we don't know. My great-great-grandfather was a prison officer during the war. He was a civilian prison officer before the war and then was a prison officer during the war where he had to go and stay somewhere else. <laughs> Never really talked about it afterwards. Yeah, well, that, There's the the joy of having German family. But that's the thing, isn't it? Like, if you... if if you're on the winning side, your relatives, you have all these stories that you're proud to you're proud to talk about what, about what your grandparents did during the war. If you're German, you're just going to be thinking, yeah, my granddad, not much you'd be proud of there, is there? No, I mean, well, there are an awful lot of there are a lot of people who were just soldiers and you know weren't in, weren't involved in war crimes. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But plenty who were. Yeah, there's plenty that knew what was going on. Um, At least they've apologised. <clears throat> Japan. Well, I, you know, in the end, actually, you can't blame people for the actions of their grandfathers, can you? Their fathers. No. I've met lots of German people who've been lovely. Australians as well. Really? That took me much by surprise. <laughs> yeah, I was, when I went to visit Australia, when I was backpacking, I imagined they were all going to be knobs, and actually I met some very, very lovely, generous, kind-hearted Australians. What a surprise that Absolute. was. Absolutely. Well, perfect. They're not all racist, there we go. Sam. Everyone can be, well, much like the Germans, Tom. <laughs> Well, that's I think that's it for this episode, isn't it? Oh, doodly do. So, what do you what do you feel like next week, Tom? Because I think we've got a couple of good suggestions in uh, in doing accents and doing pets. What do you reckon? Pets with accents. Unless you've got a better one. <laughs> pets with accents. Okay. Okay. Sorted. Oh, do you want to actually give that a go? No. <laughs> I think that's a bit of a challenge. We'll do pets next week. How's that? Yeah. Unless, have you got, unless you've got a better idea, unless you've found a, a saucy sauce that you want to dip in. No, no, I, I'm not planning on dipping myself in any sauce. Um, <laughs> really? No. no. I did, but well, it is Easter. Shame. Our tradition, family tradition is um, dipping ourselves in Tabasco. No, let's do pets. <laughs> pets it is. Well, thank you very, very much for tuning in to another episode of That Was Genius. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, let us know. Leave a review on your podcast app of choice and get in touch with us on Twitter. That underscore was underscore genius. Instagram at that was genius and Facebook that was genius podcast. Right, say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye. Goodbye.